Hello friends, it is me, Kate Lumpkin. It is Sunday at 6.05. It took me five minutes to get here today, but I'm here and it's office hours. Uh, office hours live. Every Sunday at six o'clock, I'm here and I'm ready to take your industry questions. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to ask them. Um, I always like to start my sessions by reminding people that uh, the advice that I give here on office hours is advice that comes from my own experience and nothing else. It is my uh, experience, hi, um, it is my experience based on what offices I've been in, what work I've done myself. Um, so if what I'm saying resonates with you, awesome. If it doesn't and you're like, no, Kate, you are not speaking my language, then don't listen to me. Keep scrolling, click past. Um, but I am here and I am a free resource for you. So I'm here and willing and excited to take any questions that you might have today um, concerning the industry or, you know, life in general. Uh, I've been known to answer a few of those questions too. So, hey. Um, so I'm really glad that you're here, uh, and per usual, I always kind of start uh, as I'm waiting for people to give me questions, so if you have them, please feel free to put them in the comments below, and I will get to them as quickly as I can. Um, I always like to start office hours by kind of talking about something that happened this past week, an experience with somebody else, or an experience with myself, that has led me to some sort of kind of a awakening and some sort of knowledge. So this week, um, I... You know, I don't know if any of you guys read my blog, which you can find at kate-lumpkin.com backslash no marking, which is um, my blog, no marking. You can check it out. I write a lot of things there. But if any of you read it, I posted something a couple days ago that explained why I'm taking a little bit of a Facebook break, a little bit of a social media cleanse, um, because it kind of got to this place where for the past two weeks, there have just been so many instances in my life where social media, um, which is usually such a blessing to me, kind of became a burden. And I just wanted to talk a little bit, because we talk a lot about social media on Office Hours. I get a whole lot of questions about social media and the artist. Do I need it? Gavin Creel told me I didn't need it and I should take it away. What's the deal? So I just wanted to talk about social media as a tool um, a little bit because it's really affected me this week. So those of you who follow me, those of you who know what I do, know that I use social media a lot for business. My Facebook is solely for business. I don't post pictures of my fiance. I don't post pictures of my personal life, really. Um, everything I do is in service to my community. Um, that's kind of the goal for what I use my social media for. My Instagram is kind of like a heightened reality of my life. Everything is styled, everything is pretty. I don't post anything that isn't, um, you know, done on purpose. So that's kind of what I use social media for. But what's happened in the past couple of weeks is, um, you know, these these blurred lines between what is business and what is personal have just kind of like butted heads a lot on social media. And I really wanted to talk about that because a lot of people ask me, like, do I need social media? Is it important as an artist? And yes, the answer is if you're not a person who's super established, if you don't already have a Tony Award, a lot of times people are going to look at your social media. They are going to, like, if you submit to someone and they're trying to figure out what your deal is, who you are, they're going to Google you, they're going to look at your Instagram, they're going to look at your Facebook, they're going to try to figure out, like, who you are and maybe what you do. If you don't have a whole lot of um, stuff on your website, they're going to stalk you a little bit. So it's great to have that thing. But I just want to remind you, anytime that you put something out into the universe, you are giving people permission to comment on it. You are giving people permission to insinuate what they want to out of it without your control of being able to necessarily always have a conversation. So 
in the last two weeks, that's happened to me several times. Some of you know I, like, had an internet troll who said something kind of mean. Um, and I have very permeable skin, so, uh, you know, the, like, empath, Kate Lumpkin couldn't shake it. And then some other, like, misinterpreted things happened. And the number one thing that it super reminded me um, of is how important communication in the arts really is. Right? Because here's the thing. We live in a time where the second someone has an opinion, they share it about your show, about your art, about you as a human. If someone sees something you've done and they don't like it, they're going to talk about it. If they see something they do like, they're going to talk about it. There's no time to um, be thoughtful about words or about how we talk about things. And that also means that a lot of time we don't get the opportunity to respond. Uh, to people's thoughts because we don't necessarily even see them half the time. But sometimes when we do, it's like really, really, really painful. Um, so I just want to take this beat to to talk about if you're going to use social media as like your business in some respects, or even just as a person, as a human who wants to share their experience, which is so glorious that we have this free tool, this free tool that lets us promote ourselves, um, you know, just to be hyper aware that everything that you post about other people, about other people's art, can be seen and can create a really awesome conversation. But that's what it should be. Um, this provides this beautiful platform for us to converse about topics, for us to talk about issues, for us to communicate about what art is good, what we think makes it good, what we think makes it interesting. So. I just like want to remind everyone to take a second when you're posting about someone's human self, someone's creative self, something energy, someone's energy, whatever it is, take the second to think about how you are posing, um, posting and posing feedback. Feedback is crucial in this art form. It's critical. If you're making art in a vacuum and no one is giving you feedback, it's going to look the same forever. We live in a time where it is critical to be having important conversations. But they have to be that. They have to be conversations. And I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm not trying to like tell you how to live your life. You are more than welcome to converse with me right now and say you're wrong. But I just like the yelling at each other about art, the like super aggressive tone, the way that we write things, like these things are just so important to think about. Um, and everyone in this industry has like a toughish skin, we have to, but we're also all thinking, feeling beings. Um, and a lot of us are hypersensitive. Um, so we are aware we signed up to live public lives. And I think people are aware that they signed up for critique, but we all have a responsibility to be thoughtful about how we share that in a rehearsal room, in a reading, online, on someone's Instagram, anywhere. It is your responsibility as a citizen of the world and as an artist to be thoughtful about how you give and receive critique. It's just vital because you can absolutely derail someone from their path towards creativity with your negative word choices. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, like, we all move on, honey. Like, we're all adults. We all showed up to swim in this pool. And I'm not here to be like, everyone needs to be precious. Because no one needs to be precious. But everyone needs to be thoughtful. And that is something that is really important. So I just wanted to put that out there as a way to start 
um, office hours this week. And if anyone has any thoughts about that or any questions or any kind of feedback about that, I'm totally open to that discussion. I just think it's so important. And, um, you know, someone, oh, we have questions. I've been missing all these questions, so I'm going to ask. Um, okay. So Sweet Michael Pacera, who I love very much, just said, I have a question. What are you using camera lighting-wise right now? It looks so good. Can everyone's self-tapes follow suit? Hey, thank you so much. Um, I currently am using, honestly, I'm using my laptop, my MacBook. Um, its internal camera is the camera that I'm using. And I have a light kit that I got on Amazon.com for a total of $30. And it, it came with three lights. They come with the white light. So definitely don't use a warm yellow light bulb. We're looking for the like spirally, um, good for the environment light bulbs. They pop this beautiful white light on you. Um, and I'm literally, I'm not even using a plug-in mic today. So the sound and the video is all coming straight from my MacBook. Um, and I have to say that I agree with you, Michael. Like, if every self-tape looked like this, our lives would be so much easier. Um, I was talking to another uh, person who works in casting, and they were like, can you just do a class on how to make a good self-tape? And so I am going to – I kind of put some stuff together. I'm going to give some of that advice right now. But it comes to a self-tape, um, take the time – how often do I cast someone from a self-tape? That's a great question. I'm going to get to it in one second. When you're doing your self-tapes and you're trying to – present yourself. Um, take the time to really learn where you're setting your light as well, um, because depending on where you place the light, you're going to get different angles of your face. You're going to get different things shown. So my light is literally right in front of me right now, um, and it is uh, angled right at my face, coming down just a little bit, and that's what shows like my cheekbones. I took some time to really learn these things. You also have to take the time to do that if you're going to do a self-tape. Right? Thinking about all the details, it doesn't have to be super expensive. Again, this light kit that I have, I don't even have an umbrella on this light. I don't have anything to kind of mute the light. The simple act of having a white light is what gives you this face. Um, and it costs me about 30 bucks to get three lights. Um, and the camera that's in this MacBook is the exact same camera that is in this phone. So you can get the same kind of quality, the same sound quality, the same visual quality from your products that you probably already have. Um, so there's just not a whole lot of excuse. The other camera that I use for video is my Canon um, EOS 7D, 7, the letter D, not 7, D, 7T. Um, it is brilliant. It has great video footage, great built-in camera. It's definitely more expensive, and it is not also a computer. Um, but it is worth the investment if you are looking for uh, great pictures, great sound quality, and great video footage. Um, so I am going to, after this is done, I'm going to post links to all of those where you can buy all of the things that I'm talking about right now. Um, hopefully that will be helpful. Um, and Zach, in terms of how often do I cast someone from a self-tape, that's a really specific question and it really depends on the project. Um, if you're working on a project that has a super duper duper specific thing that you're looking for where you're doing like a deep, deep search and you're asking people from all over the country that you're finding on YouTube to put together a tape, that might be a very different thing. I think the, the you know, the numbers would skew higher on something like that. Um, in terms of, you know, the, the number of people that you hire from a self-tape, you're never going to have like a magic number. But what I will say is you have to take self-tapes seriously because even if you don't book the job that you're submitting for, your self-tape is another audition that you've been given the opportunity to do. And here's the other thing, that audition doesn't die. 
right? Like once you come into an audition room and you've done your audition, if it's not being put on tape, that goes away into the ether. And it's anyone's bet who's saying what about what, right? My opinion of that audition looks different from your opinion from that audition, looks different from the MD's opinion. So what happened in that room kind of stays in that room and becomes the stuff of legend. When you're making a self-tape, ain't nobody going to have any room for the stuff of legend. It's there. It can be saved to a computer. It can be sent someplace else. Um, you know, it's around. So taking the time to make sure that those self-tapes are beautiful, um, that you're proud of them, that the take that you're picking is, is a good one, um, it's important because these things don't really die. Um, and I, I just, no matter whether you get cast or not from them, it is a, it is. Uh, an audition that lives forever. Um, so it's just something to think about when you're making them. It's also just great practice. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And there are people who get hired from self-tapes. I have hired people from self-tapes. Lots of times I see people send me a self-tape and then I'll be like, okay, we'd love to bring you in for a callback and we, we meet them in real life. But self-tapes can be door openers and no matter what, they, they live in people's computer, they live on video until the end of time. So it's just something to think about. Um, okay, would you be comfortable sharing the links to the lighting afterwards? Billy, I'm going to do that. Don't you fret. When I'm done with this at around 7 o'clock, if you check um, the comments, I will link all of the lighting equipment and cameras that I was talking about. I'll also link a few microphones that I think are really great that I've been using. Um, so you'll see all of that information below, okay? I hope that is helpful. Um, there's so much discussion in business of what's appropriate to post on social media and representation. Any general guidelines on where you draw the line? Ooh, hey Wood, first and foremost, I hope you're doing well. I miss you. I think you're such a treasure. I hope that your show that you're working on is, is great. Um, social media guidelines, you know, I've talked about this before and I will talk about it again. It's, it's up to you. This is your life. Like, I'm not here to tell anybody how to live their life or lecture them on what's important to post for them. You know, some people have approached me and said, like, am I allowed to post about politics? Is that going to screw me over? And I'm like, Listen, if politics is where your passion is and that's something that's like vital to who you are as a human and as an artist, then like post away. And if it affects what someone thinks about you, then it affects what someone thinks about you. And you probably don't want to work with those people anyways. If politics is your MO and someone fundamentally disagrees with what you're saying, then the truth is they're not your director. Like you, you're not going to jive with them in the rehearsal room, so maybe you've just weeded someone out. I think social media in terms of where the line is, is this. You have to post and create what is important to you. We talk about having a point of view, a strong point of view. We talk about having a strong worldview. What impacts you? Is it your friends? Is it the food that you're eating? Is it politics? Is it religion? Is it art? Whatever it is, share, 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 share. When it comes to posting, like, pictures of you with a lot of drug paraphernalia and, like, you with, like, Edward Forty hands, like, you know, like, these things maybe are not the smartest decisions. And I say this because if you're going someplace where you have to take a drug test before you, you know, you ha can do the job, like, if I see that there's a whole lot of stuff about your relationship with drugs online, I'm going to question whether you're going to pass that drug test. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to still get the job and then still have to do the thing, but that's, that's the reality. You can skew someone's kind of vision of who you are by what you post on social media. So my thought is be the truest version of your professional self online. And if your professional self and your human self are like one and the same, then that should be easy peasy. If your professional self is like a little less 
is like a little more restrained, then I would stick to that, but still talk about what you care about. Like, it's just so important. It, there, you get this platform to communicate with anyone you want about anything you want. You can create communities using it. You can reach out and talk to people who, you know, you never get a chance to talk to. The fact that I get to do this show is amazing. I get to communicate with people that I normally wouldn't about things that I, I hope are helpful. Um, but, like, maybe don't post a whole lot of nudity. Maybe don't post a whole lot about drug paraphernalia. Maybe, like, don't post um, a lot. I, I, don't, I don't know because I don't want to tell you not to be yourself. That's the other thing. Just know, take every moment to think about what you're posting and allow allow it to come from you. What is that? Anything you do, let it come from you. Just know that if you put it out there, it might affect someone's view of who you are. And as long as you're okay with that, then post away. Like, post away. That's the reality. Don't be ashamed of what makes you you. Just know that it might not jive with everybody, and it might cost you something. That's the reality. I know not everybody likes what I post. Unfollow. <laughs> if you don't want it, bye. Unfollow. That's fine. You know what I mean? But I... I try to be very thoughtful about what it is that I put out into the world because it comes back. So there's that. All right, I got another question. Um, is it okay if directors observe other play rehearsals for actors that they want to hire? That's a very interesting question. I think that's a very specific question to whoever you're working with. Um, you know, if you if you are a director and you have uh, a very you know specific relationship with another director um, and you talk to all of the actors in the room and uh, there's like a permission there for you to watch rehearsal as long as everyone knows what's going on I feel great about that I just you know the rehearsal space is so so sensitive so specific so um, you know safe it needs to feel safe so and depending on whether this is an equity or non-equity show there are lots of other rules so that's just something that's a really particular situational Thing. And I'm not sure that I can give you a perfect answer for that, Ben. I'm so sorry. Um, I know if I were an actor and I were in rehearsals for something, I'm sure I would want it to feel like a very safe, creative space. And the thought of bringing in another human who's not a part of that project would make me feel probably a little uncomfortable. Um, but as I am not that and not doing that, um, I can't give you that kind of answer. That's a very specific question. So if there's any way to make it more specific for me to answer, I'd love to be helpful. But that's my two cents about that. Um, Nora says, how do you prioritize the next best step you can take to further your career? Uh, this is a really great question. Um, first and foremost, I, I had this kind of thought the other day, which is you cannot be complacent and want more at the same time, which is to say, like, you either need to be okay with where you are and, like, thrive in that, or if you want more, you need to start taking those active steps. So how do you prioritize the next best step you can take to further your career? The first thing you need to figure out is like, what is it that you are trying to achieve? Like, what's the end goal, right? Like, is it, uh, you know, if the end goal is like, I want to be on Broadway, my question is, why Broadway? Why? Like, what does that mean to you? Because there are a lot of other things that you can be doing that are theater related. Why does it have to be Broadway? You know, like, get to the why. What is the thing that um, you are hoping to achieve and why are you hoping to achieve it? Once we've figured that out, then it's a lot easier to prioritize the next steps. So like truly if the next, like if, if the goal is I want in the next four months to have booked an equity contract or like I want to book something that gets me my weeks 
or I want to get out of town. I am ready to go on an adventure, and in the next six months, I want to be on an adventure. Okay, great. If that's like the term you're using, if it's like I want to be on an adventure, there are a lot of ways to go on an adventure. Is that through a show? Is that booking a trip? Is all the things. The most specific language you can get, I think, about what your desires really are is how you're going to find those next steps. So if you know, like, I want to be making more money and I want to be performing more, if that's the language and money comes first, then I think, you know, the first step you need to do is sit down, look at your finances, see what more money really means, come up with a number, figure out what that means you need to be achieving, and then figure out who's doing that thing and reach out, right? If the, if the thing is I want to be on Broadway, who do you know that's on Broadway? Be vulnerable. That's the most important next step is to be vulnerable, is to reach down, figure out what it is you actually want, not what it is you think other people think you want, and figure it out, get specific language as to what that thing is. Then look at somebody else who's already doing it and send them an email that says, SOS, I respect you, I respect your career, I think you are incredible, and I have questions. Here's the deal, everybody likes to be told that they're good at something. Do you know anybody who doesn't like to take a compliment? People aren't good at it. People are not good at hearing that they're good at something, but everybody likes feeling like they've done something well. I like it, I'm not gonna lie, when someone emails me and says like, you're doing something right, I'm like, thank you, because I'm working hard, you know? So. I think the, the number one priority should be taking the time to figure out what exactly it is that you want and then finding a mentor. And a mentor is different than a coach. A mentor is different than a friend. A mentor is different than a parent or someone in a position of power. A mentor is someone who's been there and done what you're trying to do and is willing to give you at least four in-person or phone calls a year. It's someone you can email, it's someone you can ask business questions to, someone who is investing in you as a professional human, but not necessarily as a personal human, and someone who can give you the advice that your friends aren't going to give you. Honestly, I think that is the number one priority for everybody. I don't know when like mentorships and apprenticeships died. I don't know why that's like a thing. People in our country are so scared to ask for help. They're so afraid to admit that they don't have all the answers because they think they can just Google it and they'll figure it out. Guess what? Google is not going to tell you how to get a job. Not in our industry. Google is not going to figure out your problems for us in our industry. It's just not. Like if you Google how to be a working actor, good luck. I hope you find it. But you know what? I guarantee you, you know somebody or you don't, but you can find a way to get in contact with them to ask them to be your mentor, to ask them to be on your personal board of directors, right? Every good business has a board of directors. You should have one too. And I think that should be the number one priority because talking to people who do what you do um, and asking them questions on how they got there, what steps were the most useful, what were their aha moments. Um, if you have a question about what's going on in your life, they can help you answer it. Um, it's just the most vital thing, and people don't do it anymore. I don't know why people don't have mentors, why people don't reach out and say, like, I don't have all the answers, but it's so important. It's just so important. Um, so I think that's the number one priority, if you're asking specifically. Um, it is to really, really, really pinpoint with your language what it is that you want and why. What is the why? Because the first thing that a mentor is going to ask you is why. Why me? 
why this career, why this thing? So you better have an answer, honey, because you only get to ask once. And then once you have a mentor, it's about creating active steps towards getting what you want, listening to what they're saying, putting together a game plan, and then doing the fucking work. I cannot, I can't. The people who look at me and they're like, oh my God, you do so many things. I'm like, honey, of course I'm doing so many things. Otherwise, I'm doing no things, exactly zero things. You've got to be the same way. There is just not enough time in the day. What is that thing? Beyonce has the same number of hours in the day as you do. You've got to work as hard as Beyonce. That's the thing. Make an action plan and then find people to talk to and check off the boxes and do the fucking work. Yeah? If you have more spe like specific questions, Nora, I'd love to answer them, but I think that kind of is, is my spiel about how to start moving forward. Um, oh, Casey, that's so sweet of you. That's so generous. I, um, I'm thankful for you. I think you're giving so much to our industry as well. So thank you for watching and thank you for that very kind comment. Um, does anyone else have questions for me? I feel like Ben asked some questions earlier that I missed. Oh, oh, I answered it. You just typed it again. I'm so grateful, Ben. Thank you. Um, so it's been about 30 minutes. So if anyone has any other questions for me, I would love to answer them. Um, until I get another question, I did want to talk a little bit. I was encouraged by my dear, wonderful friend to talk a little bit about conflict resolution in the arts. Um, and we kind of touched on this idea of be thoughtful when giving feedback. Um, but I did want to kind of talk about conflict resolution because I think it's really, really, really important. Um, <laughs> that's so sweet, John. <laughs> yes, I will embroider that on the sampler. You're welcome. Um, but no, I did want to talk about conflict resolution. So here's this thing that I find fascinating about our industry is because, like me, a lot of people have this, like, they're either, they have skin that is, like, impermeable. Like, no one can get through it. People can say whatever they want to to them, and they're like, bye, I'm great. Or they're like me, and they're like, you gave me feedback, and I'm dying, right? Which, you know, that's my real life. I am an empath for sure. I feel everything and all things too much all the time. Um, and because we have this dichotomy of people who are either, like, tough as nails or very, very, very permeable, a lot of times people avoid actually talking about what issues are in the rehearsal room, in the audition room, as human beings in friendships, as collaborative partners, there's this thing where either there's like an attack and then people run away or there's this complete ignoring of real problems. And I just wanted to take a beat to talk about the fact that we all work in this industry together. With, you know, the water cooler, the office, it's the entirety of New York City and LA and Atlanta and Chicago and DC and Houston, like all of these places. We're all in the same WeWorks, honey. It is one big office. And as such, there has to be a level of mutual respect and communication. And problems cannot just simply be swept under the rug and ignored when we're creating something that is so personal. Art is business, but it is also a personal business. And anyone who says that it's not is lying to you. They're lying to you. Even the people with the bajillions of dollars who are producing Broadway shows, like, it's personal for them. They wouldn't be putting their money into it if it wasn't also personal, right? So as such, I just want to encourage people to remember, you are allowed to have conversations that are difficult with people. If you just meet them in the middle and say, I need to talk about this. We have to talk about this. Um, and then respect each other and listen. 
You know, so many people in this industry are trained miser actors, for example, and the number one thing that you have to do is listen. We go to school, we get our BFAs, and we are professional listeners who don't listen to each other in real life. And it fascinates me. It, like, absolutely fascinates me that we are trained to actively listen to each other when someone else is giving us the words, but when they come from our real selves, we don't listen. And I am mind-blown. I'm mind-blown by it. So I did just want to take this beat because she encouraged me to talk about this, and I just do think it's really important. It's someone in my life who, like, changed my life when she said, hey, you're a pretty crappy friend uh, because instead of talking about things, you just kind of, like, run away from your issues. This was, like, 10 years ago. And uh, I was like, oh, I don't do that. And she was like, yes, you do. You blatantly run away from things. And I was like, oh. And then she taught me how to have a civilized conversation about issues, and it fundamentally changed my life. And the number one thing she told me was, just listen, show up and listen, because nine times out of 10, it's a miscommunication or it's something you could work through. And as artists in a rehearsal room, if there's a miscommunication and you don't work through it, you're screwed for the next X number of weeks of your life. Or, you know, honey, you know, 20 years later, if you're still in a long running hit, it's going to fester and, and it's just not worth it. So I've seen a lot of people recently who have told me they've been in situations that made them really uncomfortable in a rehearsal room or in an audition room or in, you know, in their life with their friends. And I'm like, have you talked about it with anybody? Have you, have you brought it up? And they're like, no, I just don't think we're allowed. And I'm like, you know, there's a time and a place and a level of professionalism, but man, you really, really, really do need to talk about things that are hurting you or that you have questions about, you have permission to be an active human being in your life and in this profession. And if that means you have questions to ask, then you need to ask them. Um, and you need to also be willing to hear what people have to say back to you. You have to be open and vulnerable and listen. Um, it's our job. So why the hell don't we do it outside of the theater? I don't get it. Be better. Do better. Listen more. Just a thought. Um, I'm not getting any questions, so I am going to wrap up in a little bit. We've been live for about half an hour, um, but I would love to keep talking if anybody has any other thoughts. Um, I feel like I got a question this week, so I'm going to look it up while we're, while we're sitting here. Um, let's see. Where was it? XOXO to you, too. Um, no, that was just a kindness. Oh, I did get a question this week about um, the difference between like a phone interview and an in-person interview and whether they're worth it or not. Um, this is a little bit less for my actor friends and a little bit more for my um, business, like industry business professional friends. Um, you know, I'm always of the ilk that if you can meet in real life, it's so vital. You know, this is kind of like self-tape versus audition in the real room. Um, you know, if you can get in front of somebody and they can get an actual feel for who you are as a human, it is so great. But there are some people in this industry who you're just not going to get in real life. Like, you're never going to get them in real life. You're going to have to get them on the phone. And I think the difference between the phone and in real life is on the phone, you need to be able to get to the point much quicker. There's less room for um, visual interpretation of self. And so as such, there's like less breathing room allowed. So my whole thing is get rid of the small talk as quickly as you can. Get it out of the way and get to the point. When people are on the phone, they're doing other things. They are texting. They are on their computers. They're looking at Facebook. They're writing business emails. You can't tell because they're not in front of you. 
right? So do everything you can to get straight to the point, keep their attention, and um, make sure that they're hearing what either your ask is or make sure that you're actively hearing what their ask is because there's always so much more room for confusion when you can't actually look someone in the eye and see what they're talking about. Um, it's just really, really, really important. But if you can get someone that you've been trying to communicate with on the phone, don't negate it. Don't say no because they're... Um, because they're not going to meet you face to face. Like say yes, say yes and figure it out. But get to the point as quickly as you can. You don't want someone to be on Facebook while they're listening to your major ask. Um, Leah says, I'm sorry I don't have a specific question, but I'm here for you and for your, thank you. That's so, so, so generous. Um, you're the best. And I just, yeah, I think you're great. <laughs> so thanks. Um, so friends, it is, 6.40. We have been hanging out for quite some time. I do not have any other questions, and I feel great about that because I hope you're outside enjoying this beautiful weather. Um, I'm about to go do some serious hardcore wedding planning uh, and maybe eat some treats. Um, so thank you so much. Oh, Billy, can you talk about the balance between dressing as your authentic self at, a, at an audition and dressing appropriately for an audition? I don't want to stifle my student's sense of self, but I also want them to be employable. That's a really great question. I'm really glad you got it in right before I left. Um, so dressing for an audition, I think, you know, it's something we talk about a lot here on Office Hours. And, you know, I'm never going to tell somebody to dress like me because the way that I dress is specific to me. I always say the best thing to wear to an audition is to think about what the character that you're going in for would wear on a second date. So taking that and then applying it to who you are as a human and mixing kind of what you would wear on a second date and what you think that character would wear on a second date. Now, if we're talking about, like, you're going in for, like, Lord of the Rings, the musical, it's going to be a little bit trickier to think that way. However, you need to wear something that's already in your closet, something that you feel comfortable in, something that makes your body feel good, something that makes you feel super comfortable when you go into the space. But you also need to think about the level of what's appropriate for the for the show that you're going in for. Um, and you need to think about, you know, taste at some point, like a, a general taste level uh, to, sh to, to present in the space. I think the, sure, the quickest surefire way to do that is, like I said, think about what that character would wear on a second date, which is like, you know, you're not trying to be so impressive, but you're also not to the sweatpants place. Um, and also think about what you would wear on a second date and have them come together and match. So, you know, if, oh, hi, I, um, I just got a text message, that's what that was. Um, so, you know, if I were to go on a second date, I might actually probably wear something like this, something like a, a casual sundress that I really enjoy, and let's say I was going in for, oh, I don't know, um, I was about to say Fontaine, and I was like, Fontaine doesn't date, oh, Lord, um, but you know what I mean, something that, like, let's say, let's say Lame is, there, you know, would probably, I would want to think a little bit about the time and place, and that might affect how I wear my hair or what kind of shoes I wear, uh, that kind of thing. Does that make sense, Billy? I think the reality is you need to wear something that makes you feel like yourself, but you do have to honor the work that you're going in for and the taste. Part of your job is to figure out the taste level of uh, the, the team that you're going in for, um, the piece as a whole, where all of those kind of things. We've talked about this a lot. There's probably, I'm getting very hot in my, in my apartment right now. I turned off all the fans, so I'm getting a little bit loopy. Um, but I do think that's the best way to describe it, especially to um, you know students, is to just say, what would you wear if you got asked out on a date? 
you know, and you were going on your second date, and what would this character wear, and how do we blend the two of those together? That's going to give you a very happy medium place, and I think nine times out of ten, that's really going to work. The other thing is when you think about what you are wearing on a date, um, you really want to be, you should be wearing something that makes you feel a lot like you, um, like the most beautiful version of you, uh, so that inherently is going to put you in a, in a better place. Also, just like don't overthink it. Don't have a uniform that lets you not think about it at all because people will know and it will become obvious. But also don't spend so much time being like, okay, well, I'm going in for like Tracy Turnblad and she was at this exact point in time and this is the re Don't overthink it. Just wear something colorful and bright and makes you feel great and makes you feel like you if you're going in for that call. You know what I mean? Okay, so I think that answers that question. I am going to go now because I don't have any more questions. I want to say, as per usual, it takes a lot of courage and charisma and thought and passion to be an artist. Everyone who is here and trying to make this a lifetime and a career and, and is, is actively seeking a, a life in the arts is a brave and passionate soul. We're so grateful for your gifts, and it's so wonderful that you are part of this community. Now more than ever, we all need to be active artists. We need to be activists and artists at the same time. So please, please, please use the gifts that you've been given to fight for what you believe in and be passionate humans in this space. Be better listeners, be better humans, and I will see you next week.